It was the middle of June, and I was sitting in my room, getting some time off. I still had about two and a half hours before I had to get to work, and so I was well prioritized. I had planned on spending those two and a half hours getting caught up on video games and television. What else? When suddenly, the doorbell rang, and I knew that my plans were in trouble. Because a couple hours earlier, my mother had come into my room and said, Gary, one of my friends might be coming over, and if she does, she's bringing Cody. She's bringing Cody. You see, Cody was the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, two-year-old grandson of my mother's friend. And Cody was the definition of the term terrible too. If the term were in the dictionary, his mugshot would be right there next to it. And so I knew that I was going to have my work cut out for me. Well, a few moments after the doorbell rang, my worst nightmare came true. My mother barged into my room with a two-year-old in tow and handing me a large bag of toys, said, Gary, entertain him. And with those two words, I knew my plans were shot. So as I began to entertain Cody, I was just one, I was going around doing anything. This little fellow was gonna be a handful. Because you see, I'd known Cody's father. Cody's father and I grew up together in the same, same area. Cody's father's name was Jay. And every summer, I'd go over to Jay's house when my parents would go, go out of town and I'd stay there with him. And Jay was the only guy that I knew that could get into trouble every five minutes. This is, this is no joke. You could be sitting in the living room, playing G.I. Joe's or whatever, and turn to get a new toy, and when you'd look up, Jay would be gone. You have no idea until about two minutes later you'd hear a window break, or a neighbor scream, or a fire alarm go off, and then you'd know where Jay was. And so, Cody, who was the spitting image of his father, who I never knew a moment when he wasn't grounded, was now sitting in my room expecting me to entertain him. And I knew this little fella. This little guy had had a hard life. Cody was born out of wedlock. And as I told you, I knew his father. And so I knew that two weeks before Cody was born, his father had been put into prison. Cody had never known his daddy. His mother wasn't much better. She actually didn't want Cody. She'd attempted to have an abortion, but somehow Jay had been able to stop her. And then Jay's mother promised that she would take responsibility for Cody until they could find a family that would adopt him. About a month before I was entertaining little Cody, they actually had found a family that was going to adopt him. They were a Christian couple. They were working as missionaries in South America. And they were going to be on furlough in two weeks, and they were going to come up to Flint and get little Cody and take him back to the mission field with him. But they never made it to Flint, and they never met Cody. On the way back to the United States, their plane went down in the Caribbean, and this missionary couple died. This little fella had had a hard life. I was amazed that he could even smile. And yet here he was in my room, laughing and clapping and having the greatest time. This little guy was the greatest audience any stand-up comedian could ever want. Well, little Cody was in there, and I was doing everything I could. He was not a bad kid, but as I worked with him, I saw that he had inherited his father's short attention span. So I was reading him books, I was doing puppet shows, playing games, magic tricks, anything to keep this kid's attention. And then finally, after two hours, which seemed like an eternity, his grandmother came in and said, okay, Cody, it's time to go. Thank you, Lord. 
when I heard this, I was so ready for it. I was quite relieved. I mean, my entire afternoon that was supposed to be restful had turned into an afternoon at Cody Land, and I was exhausted. But then, little Cody did something that I wasn't expecting him to do. He turned and looked at his grandmother, and then he turned and he looked at me, and he ran over and threw his arms around me, and with those blue eyes looking up into mine, he said, Gary, I have you. Where did that come from? This little fella, this little fella had never known love. He'd never felt the strength of a father's hug or the gentle caress of a mother. And then I realized in that moment, little Cody was showing me the love of God. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Now, I'm not saying anything about the condition of Cody's soul. At the age of two, that's not an issue. But the thing that I did learn that day was that if a little two-year-old could show God's love, so can I. And I learned that through a package so small, through any type of package, God could show his love towards me. And then finally, I learned from Cody that I need to be willing to use everything that I have to show my love to others. See, love was so simple as Cody stated it. This little two-year-old who was grasped onto my leg had this concept of love that even I as a 22-year-old struggle with. He, he knew what love is. When those two and a half little words, I of you, came out of his mouth, he had no conditions on them. He was about to leave. He knew it. I knew it. His grandmother knew it. And yet he was still compelled to show his love. That afternoon, when I got done with little Cody, man, after that incident, I wasn't tired anymore, man. I was pumped up. I went to work. I was probably working the best I'd ever worked that day. I almost went up to my boss and threw my arms around him. But I think I probably would have got a little different reaction than Cody did. But you know, that feeling wore off after a while. And it was no longer... Hey, I love you, man. It became, hey, how you doing? It wasn't hugs, it was handshakes. And this made me take a whole new look at what Christ said in John chapter 13, verse 35, when he said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, after my experience with Cody, I found myself trying to be more loving because people were watching. I know, I know. You're not supposed to be loving because people are watching. That's true. You're supposed to be loving at all times. But it sure is a motivation to know that people are watching. It's kind of like the end of last school year. I was the passenger in a car accident in which I broke my foot, and so I was unable to drive for about two months. So I had a problem. How do I get my car back home? 
My mother can't drive, and I'm an only child, so there's no one else in the family that can drive my car. So my parents brought a friend down to campus in order to drive my car home. The thing is, this friend was a non-believer. She comes to campus, and that evening we decide we're going to go out to dinner, and I invite along one of my housemates. But he didn't know that this lady was a non-believer. Of course, knowing this housemate, I don't think it would have mattered. And that evening, we were discussing just everything. Everything at the end of the year, you know, I'm done, the foot accident. And the conversation somehow turned to his ministry in Wabash and how he was working with kids and how he was doing all these things and the lives he'd seen changed and the caring that he'd seen these kids come to. And the next day on the ride home, this lady asked my mom, why did he love those kids so much? I mean, it's not like they were his. What, what, what was the deal? Why is he working with these kids? I mean, he's not even getting paid for it. And this opened a whole new avenue to share the gospel with this lady. You see, I'm convinced that if we as Christians wore our love for God and others on our sleeve and truly tried to show others God's love, like little Cody did when he ran up to me and grabbed me around the leg, we could truly, truly change the world. The next thing that I learned from little Cody is to watch for God's love in any package. You see, when Cody ran up to me, I didn't finish the story because he ran up and grabbed me by the leg. And when he was hanging onto my leg, he said, Gary, I love you. And my first reaction was, I must've heard this little dude wrong. You sure do, Cody, you have me. But his grandmother wouldn't let me get away with that. No, Gary, he didn't say he has you. He said he loves you. You see, I didn't hear what he said because I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for love from someone so, so pure, so innocent, so small. It was like God had hip-checked me into the wall and said, I know how to get you li to listen. I know how to make you hear me say that I love you. I'm going to use a two-year-old. In the Bible, God used many methods. For Adam, he told him through his wife, Eve. For Abraham, he told him he loved him through his son. And for me, that hot afternoon in the middle of June, he told me that he loved me through a blonde-haired, blue-eyed two-year-old. Ever since then, I've had to be a whole lot more careful watching for God's love. Because it can come in any package. Like that boring class lecture where you'd rather be sleeping than taking notes. You know the one I'm talking about. That can be the method through which God tells you that he loves you. Or when you turn on the television and you're sitting there. Or when you're walking through the commons, through Wildcat, and you see a friend and just stop to talk to them. These are the, mo the methods through which God can say that he loves you. After little Cody, I had to be watching for it. The final lesson that I learned after this experience was that I needed to learn to be a Cody. No, I didn't need to learn to be a two-year-old. I needed to learn to love as God loves. As the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 1, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and love, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. One of the things about Cody that struck me in that moment was how innocent he was. He didn't have anything to gain from telling me he loved me. I mean, he could have just walked out the door behind his grandmother and said, bye, and kept on going. Or he could have said nothing at all and just trailed out behind her. But that's not what he did. He looked 
and he looked and he ran over to me and threw his entire body around me. This wasn't just words. This was everything he had. Now, if my life were to look like that, if my life were to look like giving everything that I had to God, what would that look like? Well, it would look like giving everything to the ministry that he's given me, to the place that I am here. It would mean giving everything to the calling that God has placed on my life to be a minister. For you, it would mean giving everything in your classroom work, in those times when you are fulfilling the call that God has placed on your lives. It could mean going out into the community and doing work and putting your all into it, spending that extra half hour. As Christ said, when someone asks you for your coat, give them your robe as well. You see, this is how we as Christians can run up to God and throw our arms around him. And with our human eyes, looking up into his eternal ones, say those three little words that God longs to hear. I love you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your love. I thank you that through everything that you've placed in our lives, you show us how much you love us. I thank you, Lord, for the ultimate, the ultimate expression of your love in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that as we go today, you would speak your love to us and that we would see it and that you would prepare our hearts to see it and that we'd be ready. Lord, thanks again. And Abba, we love you. Amen.